You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Tribe Supper. I'm your host Andrew Musgrove, joined by Dom Show and Craig Johns. And if Middlesbrough's playoff dreams weren't over last weekend, they certainly are now following a defeat to Barnsley. 2-0, Dom. That's where we'll start before we kick on with the main subject of the podcast, which is why the second half hasn't quite lived up to what Warnock wanted. And I guess in many ways you could kind of sum that up in the performance we saw against Barnsley. Yeah, it was a strange old game, really. And um, I kind of worry going down whether it would be a case of... Um, I mean, I think... Did fancy for it to, to, to match Barnsley and, and do a job on them, but you wondered whether it was going to be a case of Barnsley having that little bit more to play for and that little bit more desire. Um, but that wasn't the case. Borough matched Barnsley for an hour. Uh, I mean, it was an awful watch. You know, it was an awful game. But but it, I mean, it had nil nil written all over it. I actually wrote. I'd, I'd set about writing the report at half time, um, and I'd actually wrote that, you know, the game finished nil-nil. That much was clear from the early stages, which obviously I had to change when Borough handed Barnsley the lead. But neither team looked like scoring. Savile had that chance for Borough. Barnsley didn't do much. And then, as has been the case again and again and again over recent weeks, um, Borough gift them a goal. And, and that was that, really. The, the second goal was just as poor. Um, and, I mean, Warnock said he had to bite his tongue afterwards, but he, he said enough. Um, and yeah, it was disappointing, really. I think, you know, before the Bournemouth game, there was a lot of talk about giving it a go, but I think Borough managed four shots on target in three games, be it against against good sides, sides in form. Um, and, and the season is kind of doing what Warnock talked about, it not him not wanting to do it, and it's petering out. Craig, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was... Um... It was it was a strange game, wasn't it? Because I think up until the point that Barnsley scored their first goal, Borough were doing a job in terms of competing with the unique challenge that we kind of spoke about with Barnsley before the game uh, last week. Um, it was it was no secret that the kind of Barnsley have taken the championship by storm since the the turn of the year with this kind of what they call direct football or vertical football, isn't it? What they they class their, the way they play as and. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting style, and uh, but 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 Burrow more than held their own. I thought. I mean, you saw, for example, Dyke up front for them was really quiet uh, up until kind of the later stages of the game. Even I mean, he got his goal in the end, but he he had quite a quiet game. I thought Burrow, you know, dealt with him quite well, and and they dealt with the physical. Uh, kind of side of the game really well, and it was very similar to kind of the game before against Watford in terms of. For, for so long, they were very solid. They were doing the job defensively without really having that attacking kind of uh, impetus about them. They didn't have much about them in the final third again, which was the same as Watford. But they then, you know, sloppy mistakes that have creeped in all too often in the second half of the season kind of, you know, came came to fruition again and, and they ended up losing. And, uh, yeah, I know we're going to come on to talk about kind of the second half of the season as the podcast 
podcast goes on, but I think that that kind of sums it up it, it really well. This game against Barnsley is that you're looking in kind of the first half of the season. You know, understandably, we're disappointed with how Barnsley went because they ended up losing two 0 But until the point they conceded, they were so solid. And then you know there were games in the first half of the season. I'm thinking Bristol City in particular, the down there where you know Middlesbrough were very similar to how they were against Barnsley, defensively solid, stifled what Bristol City tried to do to them didn't have much at the other end but went up capitalized on an error from Bristol City and won the game 1-0 and you're talking about that now as probably one of Borough's best away games of the season uh beating Bristol City 1-0 down at Ashton Gate at a time where they were you know in very good form and, and towards the top end of the table albeit earlier in the season uh you know so I think that's that's something that's kind of you know, whether it's luck, individual errors, that's kind of something that has crept in. And, and you know, you're looking at it from just that one little error from the corner uh, going in direct from Mauer, a bad, bad goalkeeping, and, and the game kind of goes away from Borough then. And, and, and that's the kind of difference that we're talking about now, first half to second half of the season. Uh, suddenly all your good work has just kind of been undone in, in one kind of, you know, like error-prone moment, essentially. I don't know about you guys, but I hate this kind of part of the season when you literally have nothing left to play for. You're not going to go down. You're not going to get in the playoffs. Obviously, you're not going to go up. So, And you talk there, Dom, about how over the past few games we've seen the same mistakes kind of creep in where they, they maybe just have that lapse of concentration and they're, they're punished for it. Do you think the fact that there is nothing to play for, Warnock has his eye on the summer and the business that might be done then, it's going to be bit of a lacklustre end to the season because the players just can't get up for it. Warnock's maybe a bit distracted about the, the future rather than the kind of the, the 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 present. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking about last week and that I think I think the remaining games and how Borough how Borough finish is important. Um because it takes I think it takes momentum in, into the summer and into next season, not just on the pitch but in the town and the whole field in the whole field surrounding the club. Um, and I think regardless of, of how the season finishes, you know, Warnock uh, certainly knows how to talk the talk, doesn't he? And, and he'll do a good job in the summer of of building the players up and making them believe. And also, um, you know, I mean, there's going to be a load of anticipation anyway because of fans getting back in and, and obviously the excitement that brings. Um, but it, it is... You know, you're going into these final five games now, and on paper they look very kind. And I'm sure that this way, the, the way the seat, the fixtures pan out, played a part in what Warnock talked about repeatedly in the first half of the season when he said about um, Borough coming into their own when it when it mattered and stuff. Um, but really, it's as you say. I mean, the, the recent performances, Borough haven't looked like a team who believed they were going to make the playoffs for a little while. Um, you know, even going into that Bournemouth game, the Millwall game was disappointing, we know that. Going into the Bournemouth game, Borough were up against it, but, but they were very much still in it. Um, but it was just a bit flat. That, that I think flat is is really the way to describe the last couple of months. I think when, when you know, in, in assessment of the season, um, Borough have made progress this season. That is absolutely, you know, with, without doubt. When you look at where the position they found themselves in last year and um, to spend the first half of the season pushing for the top six. And at, at Christmas, you know, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have backed Borough to make the top six. They were in the top six at Christmas. They looked to be coming into their own. They had a good January window. Um, so it's, it's, it's strange, really, how the season's petered out. 
I don't know about you, Craig. I can't really put my finger on one factor that that's cost for it. I think probably just a combination of um, the, the giving away silly goals, perhaps lacking. I don't know a bit of a bit of spark up front going forward. But then you brought in the likes of Balassi and Cabano. It's it's just it, it's strange. I think how the last couple of couple of months have played out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with what you're saying there, Dom. It is. I think strange is a really uh, good word to use. I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to discuss the the various factors that have kind of been behind the, the season, Pete, right now. But yeah, I mean, if we kind of think back to the end of the January transfer window and, you know, Borough just brought in Balassi, Cabano or Mendes Lang uh, towards the end of the window there and, and you were kind of leaving January behind thinking, you know, we've got a genuine chance here now. We've signed three good attacking players. And and it's quite exciting to think where this season could go. Because I mean, you think back to Christmas, and they were kind of they were there or thereabouts around the playoffs, and uh, and it was looking like you see really really good for them. And it is like strange. It's it's head scratching that the season has gone the way it has, and it has just fizzled out. Because I don't think anybody would have really you know there was. It would be very surprised if those many would have predicted at that time that this was the way the season was going to go. Sorry, I think there's an element of um, we got to January and then there was the Borough had a couple of a couple of injury setbacks. I'm just looking back through the, the fixtures now. Um, then at the end of January there was there was the Blackburn game and and all that happened there with the whole Dale Fry incident and Warnock was absolutely furious about that. And then Borough were really poor against Rotherham the week after, weren't they? Or a few days after when they got a good hiding at home. Um, but but Warnock talked about how um, the season will start now. We kept saying it, didn't he? The season will start now. We've got to get the next couple of difficult games out of the way. And then Bully got the, the uh, point at Norwich, which was a really good result, um, a good solid point. And I thought that was a good grounding. But I, I think Bully perhaps been waiting for a springboard since the new year and it's just never come. And then before you know it, you've, you've ran out of time and, and, you, and you're up against it. Um, I don't think Borough have been awful, other than you know a couple of games. They were uh, a Rotherham home game. They were really poor at Derby, um, but but I just think they probably lacked that springboard. And then the season has just kind of dwindled along, really, with a result in every two or three to keep the hopes just about alive, but without ever getting any kind of real momentum to to, to move forward and launch a, a real a real push for the top six. It's, I think it's something that they've, they've needed having their and Warnock sporting about quite often is kind of, of going on that run. I mean, when we look to the first half of the season, they had that run, didn't they? I think it started around about October and did the go unbeaten for, you know, maybe, was it 10 games, something like that? They had a little run. I mean, it wasn't all wins, of course, but nevertheless, you, you kind of, in the second half of the season, needed something similar, a run of games. And I think even when it was still a possibility, but, you know, you had to be a bit of a dreamer to think Borough could get in the top six. Even even Warnock was saying themselves that you know if we're going to do that, would need a, a consecutive run of games and a consecutive run of wins, and and you know he was admitting himself that it just Borough have never really looked like you know certainly in the second half of the season capable of doing that. How frustrated do you think Warnock is at this situation? Where, like you say, we've seen some positives, we've seen some hints since the turn of the year that there's a there's a team there capable of battling at the top of the championship and yet it has just it's just not clicked it's just not all come together how frustrated do you think the manager will be 
I don't know about you, Craig, but I, I think Warnock's long accepted now that Borough, have, have, you know, there's, 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 there's several positives for him to cling to from this season. And he's talked about the, the foundations that are in place for next season and how he thinks Borough are in a position where they can take off in the next five years. Um, but, but I think he's long known now that this team probably isn't quite good enough. Um, doesn't score. I mean, he keeps saying, doesn't he, we, we don't score enough goals and we keep throwing goals away, which isn't a combination to win games consistently. Um, he, he talks about obviously the best players getting injured. I, I don't think you can overstate uh, how much Borough have missed Marcus Tavernier because he's had a couple of a couple of spells out the side in the second half of the season, and um, Borough just don't look the same player without him. I think he's the link up between the midfield and attack. And whereas Balassi and Cabano have shown in flashes, um, they both came having not played a lot of football and. Um, I mean, to be fair, they looked sharp relatively quickly. They didn't need uh, a lot of time to get up to speed. Um, but have they looked like Borough can hang the hat on them at any point? I guess it's that kind of um, that thing that you see with championship wingers in that they, they tend to be inconsistent, and I think that's what they are. Whereas Tav, uh, although he doesn't score enough goals, uh, you only have to, I think you can look at the stats and that tells you how important he is. But also, just trust your eyes and Borough look a better team when he's in the when he's in the side. His energy, um, that link up, as I say, between between the midfield and attack. So I think I think he's been a huge miss. Um, but, but I mean, Warnock, he kind of said as much, didn't he, Craig, when he agreed his extension? I, I think he's known for a for a for a while now that Borough were going to be playing Championship football next season. Yeah, just touching on that, Don, when you mentioned Marcus Tavernier, I mean, I, I was thinking along the same lines when kind of preparing for this podcast, and as well as Marcus Tavernier, of course, Deal Fry's been so crucial to the season as well, and and kind of both of those have gone from from important players in the first half of the season who were, were pretty much mainstays in the team to, to both having a couple of uh, injuries here and there in the second half of the season. So, well, I actually checked it out, and since the 1st of January, the pair of them have been only started on been in the Borough team on seven occasions since January the 1st. That's both of them playing together. Um, and, and yeah, and when, when they have been there, they've won three and drawn one of those uh, of those seven games that they have played. And, you know, I mean, you look at uh, Borough's form, they've only won seven since January 1st and three of them have been when, when Fry and Tavernier have played. And I think, you know, they, they have certainly been, you know, when they haven't been there, massive misses to the team. And I think, you know, their injuries have kind of affected the the kind of stability of the team. And, you know, like Dom says, I think certainly with Tavernier, he provides that link up between defence and attack. And we, we saw a lot in the first half of the season, that kind of quick transition that became such a, a positive part of, of, of the way middles were played under under. Warnock and I think when Tavernier is not there, the struggle for anybody who kind of creates that that transition and, and starts that transition off as well as Tavernier does. Yeah, I tell you what, you'd, you'd think we prepared that there, the way Craig nodded it in after Mark Cross. Put a little segue of that, innit? Yeah, you know. quality that. What's going to be what Neil Warnock's looking for next season. I'm the, I'm the big target man he's looking for. <laughs> On a free as well. <laughs> Um, what was the moment for both of you guys where you kind of felt that Borough weren't going up? Was there a game or a result or just a moment in the last few months where you kind of just realised that you'd be reporting on Championship of Football once again next year? 
I think for me it was probably, although I still held some hopes, it was probably the result down at Millwall that come off. I think just checking back quickly, I think was it two or three good results before the Millwall game? Um, let me just quickly double check. Yeah, it was uh, it was two, wasn't it? After Swansea, they then beat um, Stoke and they beat Preston uh, two and three nil. Keep it so five goals and they clean two clean sheets in two games. And you thought, okay, they've got a bit of momentum now after you know a good performance where they were pretty much robbed. Uh, let's not get that wrong. Um, down at Swansea, they got two results. They bounced back and then they went to Millwall ahead of an international break where you felt three points. Uh, and they'd, they'd really be in the reckoning then. Not the not to forget also that on that day there were a lot of results that uh, went their way in in the kind of playoff battle. I think had the left Millwall with a third victory going into the international break, they have then gone to Bournemouth after the international break, really full of momentum, really positive, and and something could have potentially came of the end of the season then. But I think losing that game at Millwall and and kind of a lot of the. A lot of the deficiencies that we know this squad has uh, kind of coming into play. I mean, remember that game, Warnock um, you know, made the three changes at half-time, completely tore up his attack and, and brought on three new attackers. And, and then after the game, blasted his attack uh, for, for their first-half performance at Millwall. I think, for me, that was probably the point where, although through the international break and heading Bournemouth, we had to kind of keep hopes up and we had to kind of, you know, still give it that this was a, a chance and Borough still had a chance and could do it. I think for me, Millwall was probably the killer game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Millwall was the killer game. And I, and I think Swansea as well. In that, Looking back, um, although, I, although I said that Borough uh, probably lacked that springboard that they needed, I did think after that win at Reading, uh, they were really impressive that night at Reading and, and they looked just a lot more polished. Uh, and at that stage, I'd, I'd have backed Borough to, you know, I felt Reading were vulnerable and would drop out and I'd have backed Borough to get in. I still think Reading are going to drop out now, but obviously Borough haven't taken advantage. But but that Swansea game, um, that left Borough seven points adrift of the top six and Barnsley were sixth at a game in hand. And just the feel after the game, you know, obviously the, the controversy and the decisions and and Warnock was talking about how, you know, next season we won't need we won't need these decisions from the officials. And it, it just had the feel then of um, the inconsistency and, and the various setbacks were going to catch up and that Borough were leaving themselves too much to do. QPR this weekend, you know, if QPR beat Borough, they'll go ahead of them in the table. Looking at the end of the season, if Borough finish in the bottom half of the championship, how much will that hurt uh, Warnock? Do you think? Do you think he'll be? Do you think? Do you think the position in the league table bothers him now that the playoffs are, you know, no longer achievable? I, I think it will in some respect. I think you know we mentioned this, and just to pick up on a point that we made in last week's podcast, and I wasn't hundred percent sure at the time, but I have since checked it out, and I was right that there is no kind of extra money depending on where you finish in the championship table. There's just a flat. Two point, I think it's two point five million that every championship team gets, um, plus some solidarity uh, money from the Premier League. So, so where the finish isn't going to kind of benefit or hurt them financially in the table, and I think because Warnock is now looking so much at next season, in in many respects, from his point of view, from Burr's point of view, the position in the table this season doesn't matter that much. 
However, I think, you know, just the mood and, and kind of among the supporters in particular and, you know, it has been a season of progress without a doubt, as Dom said, but I think just to kind of, just kind of affirm that and, and to kind of get the, the right mood with the supporters, particularly with them coming back next season, um, I think they need a, a good finish to the season just for that positive momentum. And I, and I do think it would be unfair, you know, if, 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 God forbid they don't get the right result on Saturday against QPR and QPR go above them in the table. Borough don't deserve to be 11th in the table. That's not the season we've had this season. Right? Borough have had a, a decent season. I know kind of in, in, in more recent years, you know, other than last season, Borough would expect to be always challenging for the playoffs, at least in the championship. But we have got the take into the uh, consideration last season and you know this squad is still largely very similar to that squad of last season that so very nearly were relegated to league one so i think you have got to, to you know factor that in and, and consider that but yeah borough deserve absolutely to finish i'd say higher than 10th i think you know ninth or eighth wouldn't be too unfair considering the likes of cardiff and barnsley have come on so strong but you know i think uh it would be very unfair if borough dropped to kind of 10th or 11th well, just saying that about the QPR game, totally forgot there that QPR play tonight against Rotherham. So if we beat Rotherham, they will be above Borough come Saturday anyway. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the season does finish. I mean, Dom, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, how how important is it to, to make I mean, you've mentioned how important it is to finish, you know, in a good run of form, taking the field into the summer. But what about that league position? How much do you think that will weigh on Warnick's uh, approach to the final few games? I, th- I think just um, with the pro- with his professional head on, he'll want to go into the games and, and he'll demand better than, than what he saw uh, in certain games against Millwall, for example. Um, I think he was pleased with, with the kind of application of the players at Barnsley. Obviously, it's just those those errors. Um, but still, you know, treating every, every game on its individual merits. There's games that Borough should be winning in this running. Um, you know, I, I know that teams have a lot to play for down at the bottom. And at this stage of the season, I'd often back the teams who have something to play for over the ones who don't. Um, but Wickham might be gone by the time Borough play them. Sheffield Wednesday might be gone by the time Borough play them. Um, but I do think uh, Borough should still have the quality uh, and considering who they're playing against to, to, to pick up three wins from those final five games. Um, and then when you look at that points total, if you were to do that, then, you know, that's a, that's a game. That's a, if someone had said to um, Neil Warnock at the start of this season, this is the points total you'll get to, then you, you wouldn't have thought Borough are going to be far away. But obviously the way things have turned out in the second half of the season, it's just, it's just gone away from them a little bit. Um, I think, I think rather than results, what's going to be interesting is, is kind of who, players in the final games and how the player Craig did a piece on Sunday morning talking about how the bench was telling at Barnsley five of the six players as things stand are going to leave in the summer um <clears throat> the other substitute was Hayden Coulson who's who's been on the fringes this season a bit um <clears throat> when you consider those five players plus Marcus Bettinelli and Niskans Cabana who started that that's seven of a squad of 16 who as things stand will be leaving in the summer um now whether we'll see more hints in the final weeks as to who is likely to be around next season. Warnock keeps saying that those conversations about contracts will be on, held, on hold until the summer now. And that's bound to be the case with the low knees. Uh, we know Sambalonga is going to leave. Fletcher and Johnson 
Um, it's interesting, you know, earlier in the season, Johnson looked nailed on to stay, but as the season's gone on, it, you know, you begin to doubt that. And, and the same with Fletcher as well. Um, so, so I think probably more interesting, I mean, obviously results are always the most telling factor, but more interesting will be kind of how things play out in the final few weeks and, and what that tells us going into the summer. Grand. We're, we've all got our mics on mute, so it's it's kind of having to guess when Craig's going to jump in with a with a sponsor. I thought he might do, but he's maybe he's maybe saving his next point for the next question. Um, what was I going to ask there? Did I have a question? Yes. So we've mentioned positives that we've seen over the past few weeks, few months since the turn of the year. Um, and I guess if you watch Borough week in week out, you'll know what they are. But I'm just going to ask you guys, if possible, to to spell out two positives each. And then maybe two negatives and just talk us through them. So we'll start with you, Craig, since you were quiet for the last point. Right, so two positives. I think the obvious one has been kind of, you know, defensively, um, you know, for the most part, yes, we've spoken about kind of individual errors that have crept in um, over the course. But I think structurally, when, when Borough look to do a job on teams, they look very, very good and very, very solid. And, and certainly in the first half of the season and, and definitely when Deal Fry plays, very few teams have found a way to to kind of break down Middlesbrough and, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and score many goals past them. And, and that's seen in, in their defensive figures. I mean, I did a piece yesterday on um, expected conceded goals. And I know that's a, a divisive statistic, a very modern one that some people don't really like very much. But but I think it does give you a, a kind of a, a good picture of 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 where you are in terms of you know expected goals, how you're doing attacking wise and, and expected conceding goals, how you're doing defensive is that they should have conceded six goals less than they have done this season. And, and bearing in mind, defensively, they've got a decent defensive record anyway. They've kept 13 clean sheets this season. But if you concede six less goals this season, that is a very, very good... can't remember off the top of my head. I think I said that would have been the fourth best in the Championship. Uh, just thinking back to yesterday, that shows how bad my memory is that I, I can't even remember what I wrote yesterday. But uh, I'm sure it would be the fourth best defence. And, and obviously, that, that, that kind of highlights a problem with with the goalkeeper Marcus Bettinelli as well in it in that he isn't uh, Borough are conceding goals that they shouldn't concede but but equally you know when I talk about that structure and, and kind of how good they look structurally that is a definite positivity in terms of um you know when they do a job on teams they're a hard team to play against and I would imagine not many at all would would enjoy playing against Borough Uh, I'm back just in time. I had to leg it away there. Um, my, my positives, uh, I, th- I think the, the improvement of individuals like Mark Bowler and, uh, and Anthony Dykesdale have, have been uh, a big positive. And the two aforementioned players in Dale Fry and Marcus Tavernier in that they've been, um, they've been first-team players now, obviously Fry especially. And Tad now for four years, but he's he's not been as central a figure as Fry. But they've been first team players for several seasons. But I think both have made big steps forward this season. And Warnock has talked about them um, being ready for the Premier League, not next season, but the season after, hopefully with Borough. Um, but, but I mean, Dyke Steele and Bowler, you know, I'd be the first to say I'd, I'd written off Mark Bowler. Uh, and I know you shouldn't with a young player who comes in in a difficult season. It's easy to say now in hindsight. But um, 
he, he did just struggle so much in that first season. I didn't see the signs that uh, that he was going to be a championship regular, but he has completely taken me by surprise and many others, I would imagine, um, in rightly nailing down that left back. Dyke Steele, I think, um, would have been, sorry, showed more signs last year that, that he was more comfortable at this level and he's kicked on again. Um, it's been a bit of a frustrating second half of the season for Dyke Steele as well, hasn't it? When you talk about the other players, he's been in and out of it. And I think if, if Neil Warnock was going to have a settled back four or back five uh, with what was Dyke Steele as a three, I think even with Paul Fry and McNair uh, all fit, Dyke Steele would still be in, in, in that team. So I think they're, um, that, that, that the form of the improvement of those players is one positive. Another positive for me has just been the, the um, kind of feel-good factor around the club again. I know things have dwindled away a bit in the last few weeks, but last season was a tough season. And, um, you know, for it to be disrupted as it was and then to come back and then the, obviously the relegation fears for so long. I think Warnock did a great job of coming in, first keeping Borough up, but then just kind of um, instilling some hope and belief and excitement again and, and, and doing that while the fans have been away from the, the ground. I think, you know, he deserves immense credit for that. Um, in terms of negatives, and I'll be quick with this, I realise I'm labouring on a bit. I think the first one for me is, and, and this will be a, a huge um, negative for Warnock as well, I'd imagine. You, you expect a Neil Warnock team to be so hard to beat. And Borough are awkward. You know, you hear teams talking all the time about how, um, sorry, opposition managers talking about how difficult they are to play. They're awkward to play, but they've just made life so easy for opposition teams by gifting the goals so often. And I, and I think, you know, that'll be one of the one of Warnock's priorities. How he goes about that, whether it's a case of bringing in more experience, I'm not sure. But one of Warnock's priorities um, will, will just be making, making Borough like a Warnock team so difficult to beat, physical, awkward, um, stingy at the back, so, so I think that's that's something that you'd hope to kick on next season. Um, and I should have mentioned Duncan Watmore in a positive as well, shouldn't I? Because my other negative would just be uh, just the kind of struggle to kick on in the second half of the season. Um, the way the season's petered out, I, I genuinely didn't think that'd be the case. I thought, as I said at Christmas, that Borough were in a good position, if not to make the top six. I certainly thought they'd be in amongst the runners and riders at this stage. So I wouldn't have predicted that we'd have found ourselves in this position with, with a handful of games to play. Yeah, I'd agree with that in terms of, of the negatives coming in. I think, um, you know, as Don mentioned, the uh, the kind of the way the seasons fizzled out in the second half of the season, as we've as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, I think that's uh, definitely something that nobody really expected would happen. It has been really disappointing and, and kind of makes building these last five games up really tough. I think the other the other negative for me, Don mentions kind of Duncan Watmore on that, and and, and it, it has been the attacking side of things. I mean, we can all see that Borough have have kind of lacked. Um, you know, a focal point up front, a, a, a good striker that Neil Warnock wants, and I think that's been kind of the the key to to Burrow's lack of attacking intent. And and you know, attacking intent, it doesn't have to be front foot um, all the time. I don't think even next season, if Burrow get the striker that Neil Warnock wants, I don't think we'll expect them to be a team who are on the front foot and and going hell for leather or, or gung ho against teams. I think they'll still kind of. Um, you know, go after games in very much a similar way that they have for most of this season, whereby they look to be to be strong at the back. They look to build those foundations in a game from the back, make themselves tough to beat, and then hit teams on the counter. But I think, for me, one of the big disappointments is just how often Middlesbrough have lacked 
a counter-attacking threat. Um, you know, they've got players there who are absolutely capable of, of doing that. Um, but um, certainly in the second half of the season, when you brought in the likes of Cabano or Balassi, Mendes Lang, you thought they really did have players now who who had that counter-attacking ability. And, and it just hasn't hasn't worked out that way for whatever reason. So I think, you know, in the summer, he'll look to address that with, you know, the signings he makes both centre forward and out wide, which we, he's confirmed he will be looking for. Uh, although the answers might still be at the club now in Mendes, Lang and Balassi, if they could sign those up, give them a pre-season, uh, get them properly up to scratch next season. It'll be tough ask financially to get both, I think. But, you know, that there could be the answers counter-attacking-wise. But I think next season we'd definitely want to see uh, Middlesbrough look more like a Neil Warnock side going forward as well, which is, you know, hurting teams on the counter, which they haven't done often enough. Yeah, pre-season's certainly going to be interesting. Before we just briefly mention the accounts from Gibson O'Neill, obviously the, the company that Steve Gibson Owens, and that includes Middlesbrough FC within that that company. Just a quick reminder to please like and subscribe to the podcast from whichever platform you're listening through. Totally free to do. Just hit the subscribe button. And it just means every time we upload an episode to our channel, you'll get a notification to say we are here. You can click it, make a brew, and uh, you can listen to it while walking the dog or sitting down and enjoying this wonderfully snowy slash whatever weather we've got it is actually still snowing where i am now um so yeah on to those accounts though guys and we, we covered the podcast you guys um did a podcast a few weeks ago about the accounts that came out and there's been a bit more that has come out about the overall company which includes middlesbrough fc includes uh rockliffe hall and the logistics firm bulk hall um and essentially that company for the first time has made a loss the 51,000 before tax up to the year end of June the 30th, 2020. So obviously been hit by the pandemic really, really hard. Um, we've had a little bit of a read of the of what came out. Um, obviously, we had the figures there. The statement is quite interesting because it mentions the impact of COVID-19. I'll just read a little bit of it out. This is specifically about how COVID-19 affected the club. And the company statement said the government restrictions imposed on football stage yet to tackle social distancing concerns have significantly hampered the company's ability to generate income in its usual manner, both for match day perspective and non-match day. Uh, so redundancies were, were happened there, the company say. Um, it will continue to monitor, to monitor the financial impact of the government's measures caused by the pandemic and rescue fund provided by the EFL in December 2020 provides a short-term cash flow support I guess, gents, two points that come out there is that in terms of transfer business in the summer, it's going to be interesting to see how much cash is in the pot, but also just the impact of getting fans back through the door, not just for their atmosphere, not just for the for the kind of a 12th man cliche phrase that every home, uh, you know, support likes to hear, but just for the money, you know, for the for the, the money paid for, a quick pie or sausage roll or what have you, you know, just the money through the turnstiles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been catastrophic, hasn't it, for, for football clubs not having the, um, as as the uh, accounts allude to there, match day and non-match non day, obviously not having fans in is huge and everything that comes with that. But then also um, the club shop, when that was forced to close and, and, and the other various factors to consider, um, 
you know, and you look at uh, Rockcliffe as well, which is mentioned in the accounts, that hospitality is obviously one of the sectors that has been most severely hit by everything that has gone on in the last 14 or 15 months. So that and the football club, um, we, we talked about it at length when the club accounts were released, which which took us up to last year, the, the end of uh, the 2019-20 season. Uh, and obviously that's continued on into this season, a full season without fans, just kind of shows to goes to appreciate yet again the support of, of, of the chairman Steve Gibson I think looking ahead to the summer and this is something Neil Warnock has talked about again and again you know this isn't a summer to go knocking on a chairman's door and asking to, to dig deep for cash you know how can you do that when um, there's, there's been no money coming in for more than a year we know and we've seen examples again and again and again over the years that the chairman will do everything in his power to support the manager but equally um, and I think Craig talked about this in last week's podcast um, I think the last year has kind of shown more than ever the need to be sensible and you've got to put the club first, the club both now and in the future, which they will. Um, Warnock has, has talked about the need to be sensible and shrewd and, and on the transfer front, um, I think we've seen with signings such as Grant Hall and Duncan Watmore that you don't need to throw millions of pounds at it to, to, to make good signings in the championship. It's about being clever and, and shrewd and sensible um, and, and the thing is, Borough have known this uh, all season now, haven't they? You know, that they've been planning for this summer that's that's coming up. Um, so although, you know, I do expect to see several players brought in in the summer, um, as as I keep saying and as Warnock keeps saying, I think there's a, there's a way to do it and that isn't to go throwing loads of money at it, money that, that simply isn't there when, when there's been nothing coming in for the last 14 or 15 months. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to add much more to what, what Dom said there. I think he's he's absolutely spot on. I think uh, I think we've got a fan question coming up, haven't we, about kind of what will be needed in the summer. So I won't say too much about that yet, and I'll let us come on to that question. But definitely, you're looking at that squad, and Dom alluded to the piece I wrote after the Barnsley game, looking at the bench and, and the fact that, you know, the bench was uh, was five, was made up of six players, five of whom at the moment will be leaving the club in the summer, and another who's been on the fringes and, and not able to get into the team in Hidden Coulson and um you know and then there was another two Lornies who will be due to leave the club starting the game as well and, and um you know there's only five players out injured um so that just shows you that you know with five players out injured and the players leaving the club either at the end of contracts or end of loans next season Borough have only got nine players there so that's it's quite worrying when you think about um you know that in regard to the finances because as dom says this this isn't the time to go spending splashing cash you know on you know ridiculous amounts of money but but also you know if Burra and and steve gibson absolutely still has that kind of desire to say middlesbrough be in the premier league and to to succeed on the pitch but it, as dom says it's it's about how to do that because uh you know, it's 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 no good spending above your means and, and kind of risking the long term, um, you know, future of the club. And I mean, I think as as Dom says, credit to Steve Gibson because he is willing to kind of continue making up the shortfalls of the club and, and continuing to support the club in that way. But but ultimately, at what point, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for Steve Gibson. You know what a mess the club would be in because they are spending all this money on wages. Yeah, I think it. I went when the when the club's accounts came out. I think it was um, for every hundred pound the club make, they spend one hundred and sixty pound on on player wages. I mean that, that's ridiculous. Like because there's so many other costs to a football club, and yet 
um, 160% is, is, is wages. It's, it's not, you know, sustainable. It's not a way to go forward. And, and yes, I know this, some of the club are going to lose big wages like British on Belonga. Uh, that'll help the club uh, getting, getting that kind of wage bill off. But with the amount of players that might be needed in the summer as well, the, the business is going to be, the transfer business is going to be important, but it's going to have to be shrewd as well. 100%. We have got a question which asks about the summer. It's been sent in by Will Tyerman. Thanks, Will, for doing so. And he asks, how many players should we be after in the summer? And he says he thinks it's a big rebuilding job. Uh, Warnock said a few times, hasn't he, that it's, it's a case of tinkering with it rather than rebuilding, rather than an overhaul, as he said. Um, but as we've said a few times, when you look at the squad and, and, and the players who might not be here in the summer, we don't know yet what's going to happen with the loanees. Um, but when you look at the squad and might not be here, there's, there's certain areas. We know he needs a striker um, or he wants a striker, possibly two, depending on what happens with, with Ashley Fletcher. And last summer, Warnock talked about uh, liking three or four strikers. So, you, you know, he won't want to be left with two. Um, the wide areas is something that's going to need addressing, especially if, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Balassi and Cabano and Johnson and Mendes Lang. I mean, if all those four were leaving, for example, you're left with with more wingers. Um, there, there might well be an agreement in place with, with, with some of those players, one or some of those players, we're not sure. Um, the goalkeeper department, is something that, that is obviously going to need need work. Uh, Jordan Archer's contract comes to a, an end in the summer and Marcus Bettinelli's loan is finished. And I'd be surprised, given Bettinelli's form of late, if we're a look to make that permanent. Um, I might be wrong, but I think, I think you know, that there's, um, there's a strong case to be made for looking elsewhere. So they're the areas that, that are going to be severely shorting. And then on top of that, it's just whether he thinks uh, that there needs to be an extra bit of cover at the back or in midfield. Warnock has talked a lot about how um, Borough won't be looking to sell players. So, well, so key players like Dale Fry and Marcus Tavernier. Um, we don't know if uh, kind of players who've been on the fringes this summer, this season, might move on. Lewis Wing impressed at Rotherham. Hayden Coulson being on the outside. Um, so, I think although although Warnock said. An overhaul wasn't required. Um, I think now he's probably looking and thinking there's a bit work, more work to be done than, than he originally anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just quickly jotted down any of the kind of positions that I'd be, be kind of thinking about with question marks next to some. But certainly for me, uh, definitely, as Dom says, he'll need a new goalkeeper. Um, Stojanovic will return, won't he, from his loan spell at St. Paul. In all accounts, he's done very well there. He's still got a year left on his Borough contract, but Warnock never seemed convinced by him. So for me, Borough absolutely need a new number one. And, and as Dom says, I don't think Bettinelli is that number one. Having said that, he could be a free agent. And if there's there's nothing better out there, then it might have to be Bettinelli. But definitely need a new goalkeeper. Um, we need a, a, a new striker. Um, absolutely need that four point striker, and we'll need a right winger and a left winger, which uh, Warnock's confirmed he'll want. Now, the right winger and left winger, as Dom says, might be at the club. Balassi and Mendes Lang will both be available to sign on a free, um, albeit certainly Balassi will probably take big wages. So it's a question mark, but it could be that the, there your wingers sorted. Um, should Ashley Fletcher leave, they'll probably need a second. In fact, they'll definitely need a second striker because um, 
Tuber Akpom will be the only striker at the club. And yes, don't want well players there now and then, but I, I don't think he's he could be one of your main strikers. I think he's he's a secondary striker at best. Um and I'd like to see what more play on the wing more next season uh, in, a, in a kind of 4-3-3 with a big striker. I think what more would fade off that. So I think absolutely if, if Fletcher was to leave, I think they'd probably need a second striker. And then, you know, just question marks next to players. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think positions he might want to, you know, add, add an extra number. It might not necessarily be... Uh, uh, someone he's considering to play regularly every game, but just to add extra cover. Because I think, you know, when we consider certainly in the second half of the season, what's went wrong for Borough, injuries to key players and not having the depth within the squad. So when certain players have come out, um, they haven't had players ready to come into the team who have been up to standards, uh, you know, being brutally honest about it. And, and, and so I think, you know, he might want to bulk the squad out a bit if he can as well. So I think, you know, we've mentioned how good Mark Ball has been at left back. But if, if anything were to happen where Ball had to come out of the team, uh, I don't think they've got that natural left back that Neil Warnock likes. Um, you know, Marvin Johnson would be the obvious kind of choice if he stays next season, if he signs a contract extension. But um, I don't think he's defensively strong enough where 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 Warnock like. So I wouldn't at all be surprised if he went after a kind of you know maybe it's a, a versatile defender whereby they could cover centre back and left back. Maybe it's that's something he looks at. Uh, but certainly you know cover at left back and and potentially centre back. It'll be interesting to see I think what he does with Nathan Wood in the summer because he'll return from loan um, at Crewe in League One and he he was doing well before the international break. But actually he's, he's uh, as as Warner pointed out in his last press conference he's he's not played very often in in the recent years. I think he's missed their last four now. Um, so it'd be interested to see what they do with Nathan Wood because I think there's potential there for him to be a good backup option, but the Borough need, you know, something someone that can rely on more because as we pointed out, when Deal Fry's not there, the struggle and, and Fry's picked up, you know, a couple of injuries in the second half of the season. And and lastly, the one I've got a question mark next to is a central midfielder. De Borough need another central midfielder. Don mentioned Lewis Wing there and uh your wings done well at Rotherham, but I wonder if he's he's the right type of central midfielder that that Middlesbrough will need now. I think Marcus Tavernier is a, a good option for the for the third kind of attack minded central midfielder. But then you've got Johnny House and, and Sam Morsey um, in those more defensive minded midfield roles, and I just wonder if they perhaps need another option there just for when either are out. Because I quite like a midfield three of a, a Johnny House and Sam Morsey and, and Marcus Tavernier just ahead of them. I think that's good balance in the centre for Borough. But when one of them comes out, you know, particularly one of Morsey or Housen, um, you're then looking at George Saville dropping back into that role. Whereas I think Saville is probably better served as being back up to Tavernier as the more attacking midfield option. Uh, so I wonder if maybe they need a more defensive-minded midfielder as back up as well. But as I say, you're talking about bulking up squad options there in a summer where actually you, you, you know, you're going to need more priority positions. So maybe those kind of things have to take have to be on the back burner. I was muted there, guys. Sorry. I was on a roll as well. We got through the whole episode without any mic issues. Ah, well. Right. Just before I get your score predictions for the weekend, the important question everybody wants to know is, Dom, what was your, your meal on the way back from Barnsley? 
I was going to mention this actually. Um, I didn't have anything on the way back. I I, I, I held off. It's only an hour and a half. I thought I'm just being greedy if I if I get stuck in it was stuff worse than that on the way home. But going there, um, I, my, my bladder didn't force me into a Weatherby stop. Has anyone stopped at that new Leeds services yet? I've been out of Trudeau and all in, in the last year. So, no. <laughs> I, I did. I stopped earlier in the season, uh, coming back from one of Boris uh, away games. And it's uh, it's an absolute beaut, isn't it? I mean, they've got oh, like every a... option you could possibly want. And then I can't remember what uh, what game it was, but there was there was a Premier League game on and they just have this giant screen, don't they, in the middle of the service station. And <laughs> I was sat eating me, me, me meal while watching Sky Sports. Uh, uh, oh, beautiful, brilliant service I'll tell, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what, I couldn't get my head around though. There's a Nando's there, and I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I love a Nando's. I'm a big Nando's fan. I'm just not convinced it's service station material. <laughs> you know, they were stop. You know, for me, it's like it's a, it's a quick bite of uh, services, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I mean, it was closed actually, and it was only uh, and it was early afternoon. I just stopped for a. Uh, a coffee, so I didn't, I didn't get food. But yeah, I'm not sure that that'd be my, that'd be my port of call. It's similar to, um, the, is it Peterborough Services where it, it's it, everything's around the outside, and then they've got that nice, um, like Thai Thai stuff off place just as you go in as well. Um, I bet you wish you never asked now, mate. No, I'm generally intrigued. I know a lot of people were very interested to hear our views on uh, service stations, and I. I genuinely think there might be a separate podcast in this. You know, yeah. no one cares about the football. It's all about where you stop on the way down and the way back. But um, as long as you've got your coffee and caffeine boost, that's all that matters. It's a home game this weekend, isn't it? So um, next week we'll have to come up with another quirky little question about your uh, your post or pre-match meals. Um, how is it going to end on Saturday? Football prediction-wise, not food-wise. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we we spoke last week before the Barnsley game, where you know, yet again, we were positive, and yet again, we were wrong to be. But um, I can't help but be positive. I don't think I'll ever, unless Borough are playing, you know, like a, a Premier, an elite Premier League side in the FA Cup or Carabao Cup. I don't think I'll ever predict them to lose because, yeah, it should always be looking for positives and kind of you know wanting them to do well. And I think, uh, you know, there'll be. A little riding on the QPR game because of the league positions, which we alluded to earlier in the podcast. Uh, hopefully, Lewis Wing at Rotherham does us a job uh, tonight and, and stops them leapfrogging Borough. But then, um, yeah, I think I'll go for, for Borough to, to, to beat QPR. Uh, I'll go for a 2-0. I think, I, think I, um, I think I'll go score draw um, in that... The way things are going for Borough at the minute defensively, I can't see them keeping a clean sheet. Unfortunately, um, I, th- I think I'll go. I think I'll go for a one-one draw. 